welcome to another episode of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is your host, Christian Nossum of the Awesome Nossum Group at Wilson Realty. We are a group of Seattle area real estate agents. Now today, we are talking all about home inspections. And I have a special guest with me, an actual home inspector. That's me. Brennan Coyle from Workhorse Home Inspection. Brennan is a home inspector here in the Seattle area, general Seattle area, and we use him to inspect homes. It's a pretty straightforward process, but we're gonna go all about that and really dive deep. And I got some good questions, including a really, really funny one, which is the weirdest thing he's ever seen, which he told me just a minute ago, and it's it's pretty crazy. So you definitely wanna stick around till the end for that, because it's gonna be the last question I ask. So before we get started, I have to get on my soapbox and say this to all of those buyers out there. And that is one thing. Always, always, always see an inspection report before you buy a house, before you make an offer on a house. Whether you're the one hiring this, the inspector to go out there and do it, or whether the seller is procuring an inspection and giving it to you. Always look at one before you actually buy a house. Don't buy a house without an inspection. I couldn't agree more. Yes. I mean, and not just because career, you get paid, but, <laughs> but it's also super important for buyers to do Very. this. You need to understand what it is you're buying and what defects there are potentially. Yeah. And what you're, you're willing to live with and what's kind of a deal breaker for you. Exactly. So. Exactly. So Brandon, thank you so much for being here. I've been on probably a few thousand inspections at this point in my career, doing this for almost 20 years. And I always learn something from every single one. There's so much to know about houses. I, I learned something on just about every inspection. There's yeah. there's always gonna be something new, something weird. You ask yourself the question, why a lot? <laughs> yes. Like, why why is this happening? And common sense just doesn't apply a why lot of times. Why did they do that? Yes. Yeah, occasionally there's stuff that just doesn't have answers, but usually mm -hmm. we can get to the bottom of it. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it is funny to see what people do with their houses. People? Can get a little wild. <laughs> get a little, or create, maybe creative is a better Maybe creative, yes. They can get creative with it. So let's go over the background of an inspector. What is it that makes an inspector certified? And how does that process work and what all is involved? The certification part is, it's, I want to say fairly straightforward. There is some schooling requirements. You have to pass some national exams, some state exams to kind of get credentialed and be licensed with the state. But I think what really separates the I just took school and the I've lived a life of construction inspector is the construction background mm -hmm. and, and really having some of that hands-on knowledge of how things go together. Yeah. And that said, the the bookwork can also crumple some people. I've there's many people in my class that it just it's too much. Yeah. There's a lot of technical data in there. Well, so yeah, we're kind of see that. forced to learn a little bit about a lot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's like the um, primary care physician. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're there to kind of assess the situation, diagnose it, and then suggest a specialist if anything's really going wrong. Makes sense. So what all does a home inspection cover? I want to say pretty much everything. Anything that we can get to, you know, we'll go over the roof, the foundation, the attic, the crawl spaces, look through the electrical panel, check a bunch of outlets, kind of try and figure out what kind of wiring's in the walls. It, it really is all-encompassing of all the major systems of the home. Mm -hmm. We do have our limitations with what we can access. If there's stuff in the way, if it is in the wall, we can't really see it. But most of us really try and do a good job and kind of get to every little nook and cranny that we can. So yeah. you get a well-informed report at the end. I guess a follow-up question to that would be, what is not included in an inspection that maybe people assume is? 
What's not included? I think the biggest thing that I feel like is not included sometimes is is the hidden stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see a little bit of moisture on a wall and they'll want you to dive in deeper. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I, I can't, we don't own the house. It's not yeah. our house. I'm not a contractor here to fix it. So, so I think for me, I feel like mainly the stuff that's not covered is the really diving into like the root of a problem because mm-hmm. we're just, we're not allowed to damage yeah, property. You can't cut into walls. You can't do yeah. any of those types of things where you can only visually see what you can see and that's you, what you're assessing. Yeah. And even to that degree, you know, it's, some inspectors do, some inspectors don't, but even, you know, when valves are on or off, if the mm-hmm. water's shut off to the house, if a breaker's shut off, mm-hmm. you want to turn it on, figure out why, but sometimes there might be a reason there's, you turn yeah. the water on and there's and a then leak. there's a leak that yeah. they were trying to fix. So yep. you kind of, you know, we have to protect ourselves a little bit and also the property owner. So, well, and that kind of falls on your agent as well to find out, Hey, just making sure is everything on. Yeah. If, is absolutely. there for some reason the water is not on? I actually was at an inspection earlier today. Water was not on. <laughs> and we knew that going in, though. So we weren't expecting to do it because there were some issues with that house and we knew it. So, that's, yeah, that's I was at one last week. It was turned off. The house had been vacant. They mm-hmm. didn't pay the bill. Oh, wow. And it was shut off. And <laughs> there's a tag that says minimum $200 fine. I was like, does anybody well, want to adopt this fine so <laughs> I can turn that on or should we call somebody? <laughs> But yeah, so we didn't. I just came back and reinspected it later. Yeah. Yeah. Not a huge um, deal. There's usually some kind of workaround that we can figure out. Yep. Yep. So explain to people the different type of home inspections. So for the ones that come to mind are a seller procured, a pre-inspection, and a kind of standard inspection. Do you want to explain what the differences are between those? Are there even differences? Yeah. I mean, in some regard, they're all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. As an inspector, we go there, we do the same inspection every time or you should mm-hmm. you're, you're checking all the same stuff yeah really the difference lies in you know the seller procured inspection is somebody that wants to list their house these got really popular throughout the pandemic yeah. because having inspectors and people there with covid was not an option so they they yep. really gained popularity through that but that's just a way for a seller to me i feel like to identify anything that they would like to fix or give everybody kind of a a clean slate and the same view of the property when they're making their offers. I personally, I love to do them because they're usually quiet and peaceful. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, also I think it's a powerful tool for a seller. Then your buyer inspections, you know, same exact inspection. There's for me, there's zero difference. Mm -hmm. I do the exact same thing every time I'm just doing it for a buyer. And that's, those are typically, you know, people that are under contract already love the house looking Mm -hmm. to make an offer they get their little contingency window and they just want to reassure themselves there's nothing hiding that's yeah that's exactly yeah and then the other one these ones get called everything it's a pre-inspection it's a verbal it's a consultation Mm -hmm. for insurance purposes it's a consultation (laughs) yes and it's essentially the same exact inspection but it's usually i usually do them pre-offer Say you're looking at a bunch of different houses. You're not. You haven't narrowed in. Mm-hmm. You want to save a little bit of money, but you want a good shakedown of the house yep. prior to making your offer. So you kind of know where you're going to land. They go a little bit quicker because I'm not kind of I'm not taking all the pictures and documenting yeah. everything. You're not I do, writing down notes or anything. Yeah, I'm not taking just all the verbal. notes. Yeah. Yep. I do the same inspection, and then at the end we just do a verbal walkthrough. I point at stuff. I'm always happy to talk kind of as long as you want. I don't mind chatting with people about stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you can at least, prior to making your offer, you can at least have a good idea of anything that would be of significance to you. Like, hey, it needs a new roof. Mm-hmm. It's going to be $30,000. Okay, I know that going in, I still yep. want to make said offer. Yep. One thing that I forgot to bring up, but I want to bring up now, what about like sewer lines? Is that something that you inspect or is that someone else? 
I don't do it currently. It's mm-hmm. uh, actually a service that I'm working on training in to provide, cool. mostly just to be able to offer both at the same time. Mm-hmm. It is, I feel like your sewer line inspection or your sewer scope or whatever you want to call it is equally as important as a home inspection. Uh, yeah, I agree at this point. Yeah. It is a major component that it's, it's easy for them to inspect. It goes quick Yeah, and it can save you from you know, tens of thousands of dollars if something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel like in most cases, the reports that I see from sewer scopes, a lot of times they're good, yeah. but when they're bad, depending on where it's at, it can really, it can really become an issue. Yep. So I, I recommend a home inspection and a sewer scope, even though I'm not doing them currently. Yeah. So why don't you explain um, what exactly a sewer scope is so people understand that difference? A sewer scope, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It today. is. Yeah. There's, in your house, you have all your sewer lines. They come into one main line that will go under your house and out to the street and connect to your city main. You as a homeowner are responsible from your house to the city main. Mm-hmm. So they just they have a camera on a cable, and you stick the camera down there. It films a video, and then you can see if there's any, any breaks, any offsets, if it's old terracotta pipe and it's caved in or mm-hmm. root intrusion, and kind of get an idea of where that line goes. So... You know, in some cases, if it goes underneath a driveway and a patio and a, a rockery and a retaining wall, that's going to be substantially more expensive if there yes. is any issues versus if it just goes through a little piece of lawn that mm-hmm. you can easily dig up and get to for any yep. repairs. Or if it's 20 feet deep versus three feet deep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I've seen all. <laughs> They're all out there. <laughs> they are. Some of yeah. them even go uphill, surprisingly. Yeah. Which is weird, but yeah, it works. All right. So how does a home inspection help a buyer? I mean, uh, first and foremost, it gives you a comprehensive understanding of what you're getting into. If there is any major defects, if there's not, if, you know, maybe it's just old systems, knob and tube wiring, galvanized plumbing, stuff like that. Just stuff that you need to know and be prepared for going. That you're going to have to budget for over the next 5, 10, 15 years. And then now that we're back to a civilized market, I think for you, it really helps. And you guys end up with like some negotiating power or at least a little bit of leverage that I think can really help a buyer yep. in a lot of situations. Yeah. If the market is not competitive, I guess the difference between a pre-inspection and a more standard inspection is a pre-inspection is one that you make before you make your offer because it's a competitive situation. So you're trying to eliminate your inspection contingency when you make an offer. So you're doing it ahead of time. That way you don't have to make your offer contingent upon it. A normal inspection is when you make an offer you have not done an inspection yet. You make the offer and you include a five, it's a negotiable time frame, but it's generally around five days-ish, seven days-ish, three days sometimes if it's tight. But you have that time frame to potentially back out if you want it to. If you find something wrong or even if you just change your mind, you don't even have to technically get an inspection done. You can just use it as a get out of jail free card. It's kind of crazy. It's not bad to have in your pocket. It isn't. Yeah. So that's why though, sellers want to see that contingency removed from any offer if they're able to, but if it's at all competitive, they want to see that gone. But if it's not competitive and you're the only offer, you might be able to keep that contingency in there. And if you do find things wrong, that's where the buyer gets to negotiate with the seller. And you can say, Hey, Brennan said that it needs a new roof and the electrical has some issues and the new roof and the electrical, we think it's going to cost somewhere around in total $10,000. Then you can go back to the seller and try to either get them to repair it, negotiate the price down, or what I always recommend, number one, 
is to get a credit from the seller for that amount so that you can hire who you want to get that work done. And you know, they did it the right way. I agree with that hundred percent. I was yeah. going to try and footnote the seller repair thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a nice gesture mm-hmm. that they would be willing to do the repair. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is in most cases, they're just trying to get it done. Yeah. For they don't necessarily the care how can, it gets as done. As long as yeah. it, it's done and it passes, mm-hmm. go about your day. Yep. Versus when you have control over that and it can get done how you would like to do it. Exactly. Since you are the one buying the house. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, it's generally more advised for you to pick who's doing the work. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also if there's a warranty, sometimes those don't, those don't transfer to the next buyer and it might only be with that one seller who had it and they only own the house for another two weeks. So that warranty doesn't really mean a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't, yeah. That doesn't so, really help you out. So if sure. you're the one that's paying for it and you're choosing who it is and they have a warranty, now you're good. What are some of the most common things that you find during a home inspection? Uh, the most common is honestly, there's, there's small defects. Yeah. It's just everyday maintenance, deferred mm-hmm. maintenance, mm-hmm. Uh, paint, caulking, you know, failed some bigger bigger ish things like failed window seals. So you have mm-hmm. some fogging, Yep, which is, it's primarily a cosmetic thing, but yeah. that kind of stuff. And then I think second to that is just old systems. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of old homes. So there is, I do have to have the talk about knob and tube wiring and yep. galvanized plumbing and mm-hmm. buried oil tanks. Mm-hmm. I, I have to go over that quite a bit. And it's, why don't you do that right now? What uh, is knob and tube wiring? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> say this stuff too much. Uh, <laughs> not even too wiring. You can is, take a nap while you say it. I'm I mean, sure you can handle that. It's, it's the invention of electricity. Basically. Yes. That was our first system that we yeah. used to distribute electricity. Pretty outdated. Inherently. That's the biggest issue is mm-hmm. it's old and insurance companies don't love it. Yep. It does. If you have knob and tube in your home, it can be difficult to get home insurance. Some insurance companies just flat out will not insure yeah. your home. Others have no problem with it. So you just have to find the one that doesn't have a problem with it. And then the, the caveat I always have to try to explain is inherently it's not a bad system. Mm-hmm. It's just getting old. Mm-hmm. So it can deteriorate over time. And what really causes the problems is in the old days, we didn't need that much electricity. Yeah. Now we need a lot more electricity. Mm-hmm. So as we add circuits and people start tampering with it and tying into it, we didn't have enough insulation in the attic. So then we insulated our attic, but it buried this knob and tube wiring. Mm-hmm. So it can't disperse the heat. That's where it kind of becomes yep. a, a safety concern or a fire concern. But mm-hmm. I see knob and tube wiring and I don't know, 50% of the old homes, yeah. um, whether it's just in the walls, maybe some in the attic. Mm-hmm. And I like to let people know as much as it is a fire safety concern, it's not like it's rampantly burning down houses every no, day. No. So yeah, you can, we all have to live to our own degree of safety. Yeah. Some people can't handle it. Other people can overlook it. You got to also realize it's probably been there for 80 to a hundred years already or 50 years or yeah. however, whenever the house was built and the skill required to install that type of wiring. If you've ever seen this stuff, it, it looks like a pain to install. So yes, it does. It was like true craftsmen of yeah. the time putting yeah. this stuff in. So typically as long as it hasn't been messed with, it mm-hmm. was done right. Yep. And it, it still doing its job. All right. Let's talk about galvanized steel pipes. Galvanized. It's that's a short conversation. It, it's a steel pipe that, and this is, is the water pipes in your house, yeah. the, the water that is going to the faucet. So yeah, these are our, your plumbing supply lines that mm-hmm. are providing water to all your fixtures. We use, it was great pipe. We used it for a long period. It's we stopped using it mid to late seventies. And at that point, all of it is about 50 years old. Yep. And the deal with it is it's steel. So since it's steel full of water, it rusts over time mm-hmm. and it slowly rusts and just kind of Closes yeah, up smaller, like an artery. Smaller, smaller. Yep. 
it'll start to leak. Mm-hmm. You'll start noticing it. You'll see brown or discolored water. You'll have low flow at a faucet. But the thing is with it, it's it's never a if I need to replace it, it's just a when. Yeah, like you're going to replace at it at some, some point, point. It's going to fail and yep. you're going to need to do it. I always recommend doing it in advance. Mm-hmm. You save yourself the trouble of, of water Having damage. A, yeah, exactly. So it's, a, a good tip that I learned from an old inspector years and years ago when I first started, he said, hey, if you want to test the water pressure and see how good it is, even if you have regular plumbing or galvanized steel or PEX or whatever, what you do is you turn on the tub, you turn on the faucet in the bathroom, and you flush the toilet. Yeah. When you flush that toilet, if all the water pressure goes and just dies off, yeah, you probably a, need to replumb. They call it a flow test. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. just because you're demanding a lot out of the system mm-hmm. at once. And if it can't get through that pipe, mm-hmm. then it stuff starts to trickle. Yep. Some bad cases you'll know as soon as you turn the faucet off. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a little just stream. A, yep. Yep. All right. Uh, uh, the other thing you mentioned were oil tanks. Why would there be an oil tank at a house? Oil tanks, that was prior to using natural gas for furnaces and mm-hmm. heating our home. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't electric, it was going to be burning fuel oil. Mm-hmm. Here in the Northwest, we decided we like to bury them a lot. They did this all over the country, but like, yep. I feel like specifically in the Northwest, there's not a lot of above ground oil tanks. Yep. So they would just bury a big tank in the yard somewhere, fill it with oil. They're like, what, 300 to 500 gallons? Yeah, they're huge. They're massive. Um, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, it's still operating. Yeah. There, I see no. oil furnaces all the time. Yep. I saw one the other day that was installed in 1971. Wow. So they do their job. The parts are simple. People yep. still maintain them. The only issue with those is when they get abandoned, if people don't decommission it properly, where they drain the oil, fill it full of like an absorbent sand type material, mm-hmm. it has the potential if it's still holding 100 gallons of oil and it rusts out and leaches into the yard. Yep. If for some reason you notice it or somebody notices that there's oil in the the soil that mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it yeah. did. Um, <laughs> you can get stuck with the cleanup and the remediation yeah. of all of that, which can get very hit, expensive. Yeah, extremely yeah. expensive when you start excavating soil and yep. and dealing with all that. So there is um, a company called Philco that mm-hmm. takes records. They have records dating back to like '96. So <laughs> if there's an oil tank, just kind of do the best homework you can. Sometimes the sellers have a decommissioning certificate. Yep. They used to have PLEA insurance. I don't know if that's... I think they got rid of it, yeah. I don't know why. But I know you can't get it anymore. But, but I, you I, can transfer it if they had it before, I believe. It exactly. was transferable. Yeah. But I was just told the other day that somebody said that stopped. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, so I, I, I need to really dig into, into that. that either. Yeah. What about rodents? Because I feel like... And tell me your experience, but I feel like 75% of the homes that are inspected have some sort of rodent activity, whether it's previous or current. Is that about as much as you're seeing it? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd back you up on that yeah. figure. And I feel like everyone is shocked by that when they realize that that's the case. Yeah, which which becomes difficult to tell people because yeah. we see it every day. And you're exactly. like, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. I literally just bought a house with a dead rat in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah, they're just, I mean, we live in the Northwest. It's yeah. a tempered climate. It's There's tons of foliage. It's easy for them to thrive and survive yeah, and, and they jump off the tree branches onto the roof yeah and sometimes get like today it was a it was a gorgeous house and i wasn't finding anything and really didn't think the attic was going to be of any concern and mm-hmm. then got up there and it was just a rodent house i was like how <laughs> oh, there's not even big trees around but weird they'll they'll, they'll find, find their way, way. Yeah. yeah if there's a little hole and it's warm they'll they'll find what is their it? way a, a rat only needs like a dime-sized hole and yeah, they can fit through it. Like that. I, had, uh, I think that's how big their skull is and the rest of their body can like There was a uh, pest inspector that just told me, he's like, just watch the song at the end of Ratatouille and that'll tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about Ron. 
Bro, now I need to rewatch that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it in ages. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, it tells you how high they jump and what huh. they can fit through and all this stuff. So crazy. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch that as well. Yeah, we'll add the clip at the end. No, I'm not. We're not going to add the clip. <laughs> we don't good. have the we don't have the rights for that. That'd we can't good, do that. YouTube would shut <laughs> us down. What about looking for mold or water damage or anything water related in a house? How does that work on your end as an inspector? I mean, that's our biggest enemy here in the Northwest yeah. is moisture. We get a ton of rain, mm-hmm. but even worse than rodents, it will really find any place to it get really into will. your home. Yeah. It and the oddest place. Sometimes the water will actually go up. Yeah. Like it's it'll, weird. <laughs> it will find a way yeah. to get back down to mother earth yeah. for sure. I mean, it all starts visual, you know, that's, the whole inspection starts there, but with moisture, especially you just start looking for clues. Like, is there a little wood rot? Is there something that would lead you to think that maybe moisture is getting in there? And then if you, if you do start to see some signs or symptoms, say on an interior wall on a basement, mm-hmm. finished basement, Hey, there's a little peeling paint down at the bottom. You can't just say this is wet. This is moisture damage. You have to kind of further evaluate it and yeah. confirm. So we use, you know, we have a thermal camera, which cool. helps us. It just detects temperature, but if there's cold water coming in from outside, it'll show a cool spot and it can mm-hmm. kind of lead you to confirm it <clears throat> with your moisture meter. Yep. In which case then you, you at least know, Hey, there is a moisture problem here. Let's try and figure out why. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a tricky one to really track down. I mean, yeah. you can sometimes when it really gets in there, you can, you can find the root cause quick. Other times people have, you have to get a contractor out to kind of start yeah. digging around. But yeah. I mean, I've seen it where the leak was, you know, 20, 30 feet away and the water just followed like a beam and then dropped in some other spot. And you're like, yeah. how did it get here? That's crazy yeah. that it like, did that. Okay. There's, there's a leak in the ceiling here, but really it starts it's like way over there feet that way. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff happens. It does uh, far too frequently in our state. Yes. But by saying that a lot of the stuff we're talking about, you can the old it. materials, we see it a lot. Yep. The other stuff, I mean, the catastrophic stuff is rare. Yes. Very it's, rare. Most of it is fix it and forget about it. Routine maintenance. Yep. The, the odds of finding like slam Massive dunks, things. just yeah. tear down houses is relatively low. Yeah. And that brings up my next question. Are there any like immediate red flags that are deal breakers for people that they should just go, Whoa, Nope. Don't buy this house. It's pretty rare. I mean, there are certain items that for the client could mm-hmm. be a deal breaker. Totally. Just, hey, Which is different for everyone. Yeah, we just don't want to yeah. spend that money. We don't want to invest in this. We're looking for something that's lower maintenance. Yep. But as far as for me to tell somebody like you should not buy this house, mm-hmm. it has to be pretty severe. And typically, you know, it would be, I mean, the number one thing is foundation stuff. Yeah. If it's a shoddy foundation or not built correctly. Or say that's, it's on like a hillside and it's falling or something yeah, like something, that where you can see movement of some sort. If you can sort. see the impending doom yeah. of this house isn't yeah. going to be here long, that's that's really like the biggest one. I remember one time I talked people out of buying. It was like a $2.5 million house in Ballard overlooking the bay and stuff, kind of above like Golden Gardens, that area. Oh, yeah. And the train tracks are kind of down below and like the hills kind of doing this and there's spots where like the ground is clearly like breaking and I'm like, Hmm. And then that corner of the house was also sinking and I'm like, Hmm. And everything else about the house was gorgeous and it fit everything they wanted. And I was like, this is a little bit of a concern. And they were like, Oh yeah, we never even noticed that. And this was before we even got an inspection. And they were like, yeah. And now we start looking more in depth and they're like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. I mean, and some of those, especially when you get on the hillsides where you're like, where there's a will, there 
Well, where there's money, there's a way. Yeah, yeah totally. You can fix it, but, but it could be a hell of a lot of money. You, and yeah. when you get into those slopes, like yep. they don't let you just do whatever you want. No. Sometimes it's not. No. I want to build a, a fortress around the front of my house. They're like, yeah. sorry, it's protected habitat. Exactly. <laughs> Your yeah. house is. Uh, yep. It's doomed. Yeah. You but. can't do much sometimes. Yeah. But there's not any like immediate. If you found a crack in the foundation, is that a deal breaker? Because some people see that and they're like. Oh, this house is going to fall over. I mean, it depends on the crack. I see, you totally. see cracks in foundations all the all time. The time. Another, Almost every house has a crack in it. Probably. Yeah. Another conversation that I have to kind of, you know, yes. just inform people like this is normal concrete cracks. Mm -hmm. It has to be, you know, we have our little limits where it's like over a quarter inch or if it's horizontal, mm -hmm. there's different ways to analyze different cracks, but overall, most concrete foundations are going to have a little crack. It just yeah. depends on the severity. And then if you see other stuff, you know, it's like coupled, you're like, oh, it's cracked here and cracked here. And then I went inside and I noticed like the windows wouldn't open and the walls, kind of, the floor is sloping. And you're like, okay, there's, there's a little bit bigger issue than just mm -hmm. a small crack in a foundation. And then from there it goes, well, is this a one time the house settled because it's a hundred years old yeah. or is this an ongoing issue? And that's something that you can't always tell during an inspection because you're just taking a snapshot in time. Yep. It's a, it's a two to three hour snapshot yeah. of it on this particular day yep. and these weather conditions. Yep. And yeah. And a lot of times, you know, with the older houses, a lot of them have settled. Mm-hmm. And there will be sloped floors totally and, and people will get concerned about it and then you just have to kind of look at everything in the house that's the i think the the biggest thing about a home inspection is trying to like take the whole thing into one big picture because it is mm -hmm. one big functioning system yep that that works together to kind of protect itself mm -hmm. and and a little bit of settling is natural in a house that's 100 years old and totally been through six major earthquakes already so yeah exactly it's it's not always a major concern if the floor is a little sloped yep doesn't mean impending doom. Impending doom. <laughs> How do buyers understand and do you help buyers understand the potential estimate of repairs that are found during the inspection? Like, do you give them a general idea? Obviously, you're not the one doing the work or anything like that. But do you help people understand, hey, is this a $500 fix or a $5,000 fix? Absolutely. Okay, like, cool. Yeah. Whether it's a $500 fix or if it's a handyman type thing mm -hmm. or a talented uncle. Or if it's, hey, we need, you need a licensed electrician to do this. I do yep. my best to ballpark some figures. Some I know, unfortunately, I'm not in the trades anymore and I'm yep. not bidding jobs. And after the pandemic, things got substantially more expensive. Exactly. So it's, it's gotten a little crazier to try and do guesstimates, but. Yep. But you, you know, can give people like a general idea. Absolutely. Like, we yeah. can get you in the wheelhouse and you know if it's $5,000 or $50,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what people need. And if we need to go further, like for example, going back to the different types of inspections, if you have your inspection contingency included with your offer, you can actually extend your inspection period to allow yourself to get additional inspections. So if you need to get a, an electrician yeah. out, a foundation specialist out, a roofer out, whatever it is to look into something a little more in depth, and it extends your or and your inspection period's about to end, you can expend, extend it by a few days to get them out there, which is really nice. Yeah, that's I I think that's a great thing to have built in there because yeah. otherwise it's it's hard to fit just a home inspection in three to five days. Mm -hmm. And then to try and be like, we need an electrician and a foundation specialist out here yeah. in the next three to five days as well. Yep. It can get can get cumbersome. Yeah. All right. The fun question. I've been waiting this whole I teased uh -huh. it at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. What is the most surprising <laughs> or outlandish thing you've ever seen in a house during an inspection? You know, you sent me some of these questions and I, it, that was a tough one to kind of think <laughs> of because we, we do see a lot of weird stuff as yes. inspectors. Yes. Some of which might just be weird to us because we're inspectors, but yeah. 
I think my personal favorite that popped into my head was a guy had a, a gun range in his crawl space. So it was, <laughs> it was, he had, a, and, and where was this? It was, I think it was Kirkland or Juanita. It was Cause I, I immediately go like outskirts. Like, no, this wasn't like Snohomish <laughs> County in the woods. This was in an urban, like a suburban, like Juanita or something. Yeah, That's crazy. Houses all on every side. And yeah, he had kind of, there was like one basement room and then he had what we call like a conditioned crawl space. So it's mm -hmm. acts just like a mini basement mm -hmm. and it was maybe 50 feet long. And at the end of it was his furnace and then his water heater on either side. And there was this like four foot swath <laughs> that he put a little pulley system with a little metal target on and was just firing rounds down range between the gas water heater and the gas furnace. Oh my God. There was, I, I think there was three or four like bullets actually stuck in the foundation and then a bunch of chips and stuff. <laughs> and it's, I, I was just admirable of his bravery to, to shoot between two gas appliances like that in his own house. I feel like, I feel like he fancied himself like a true marksman. It's like, I'm Clearly. not going to miss. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, like, that was the first one that popped into my head that's as far crazy. as like, yeah. that's, that's wild. But that said, there was some chipping in the foundation, but it was still, still good. You can shoot them with guns. It was still structurally sound. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> Concrete strong. <sighs> that is funny. I know we've talked about a lot. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to make sure that people know about home inspections? I think, I mean, this won't, it won't go over well because buying a house is a stressful, intense mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Something I, I really feel like an inspector can do and should do is try and help alleviate some of that stress. Totally. Like, yeah. I, it, it doesn't stress me out, but it kind of stresses me out how stressed people are about the yeah. inspection because they and they're feel scared. Like, they understand. They don't know what they're buying, and they want to make sure they understand and they're not yeah, buying and like they, a money pit. They really get nervous about the inspection. I just I think it's important for them to understand. Like we're on your side. Like, yeah, totally. We're here to work for you, the client. Mm -hmm. We don't work for agents. We don't work for brokers. We work for the person buying or selling the house to yep. to get the information they need. And I really hope you know, even when it's bad news, it it's the best news you can get mm -hmm. is to know like the exact condition of a home. Yeah. So sometimes it, it might crush your dream of owning that beautiful home that you love so much because mm -hmm. it's falling off a hillside. Yeah. But it's better to know that than to buy the home and then, and then find that out, fall off the hillside with your nice exactly. house. Exactly. So exactly. I think, yeah, just know that we're kind of on the, on the client side and, and yep. just trying to help. Let's give people a better idea on pricing for home inspections. So is there a difference between the cost of a verbal like pre-inspection consultation yeah. uh, versus like a written report? Absolutely. So okay. verbals, because we're not documenting everything and they mm -hmm. go a little bit quicker, are a fair amount cheaper. For me, a verbal is 325 for an average size. It's for most homes, honestly, unless yep. it gets really big. Mm -hmm. And then the written's, they start at 450. Mm -hmm. I'm not the cheapest guy in town. You can find people that do them for 300. You can do them for 600 for the same size. 300 house. is the cheapest I've ever heard for an inspection. Yeah, I don't recommend the $300 <laughs> inspection. I don't think I would either. I, like I know what it takes to do these things. Yeah. And anybody that's willing to do it for 300 is that's crazy. They're, I don't know if they're doing the best job, but yeah. Yeah. they're out there doing it. Um, what you pay for. Yeah. And it just, you know, every inspector prices differently. Yep. I have my prices based on what I feel my skill set is. And mm -hmm. then really the only other difference in pricing comes down to square footage in the home. Yep. So it's essentially you start it for me, you start at 450 and then it goes up every 500 square feet yep. to a certain degree. If all of a sudden yep. you have a 25 bedroom mansion, yeah, give, give a phone call, we'll figure <laughs> we'll out what figure it's going it to cost. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a flat fee. You get a, you get the same service. So it's, 
Yeah. And then the verbals are just a little bit cheaper, I guess. Yeah. Which makes sense because you're not taking photos. You're not writing a report. You're not sending that over. You're not doing yeah. all that stuff. Totally makes sense. All right. Well, that's all I got for this episode of the Awesome in Seattle podcast. Brennan, thank you so much. I will put all of your contact info in the show notes. Do you awesome. want to at least give people maybe your website or phone number or what the best way is to contact you if they want to hire you? Probably the easiest way to get all of that information at once would go to the website. It's workhorseinspections.com. I have an Instagram, Workhorse Inspections. Cool. And then phone number and all the contact info is all up there. It's on Google. It's anywhere that you Google them. Yep. Look for information. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the awesome in Seattle podcast. All you buyers reach out to them. If you are interested in getting a home inspection, if you are thinking of wanting to go through this home buying process and you haven't taken that first step yet, you can always come to our free beers and home buying class. Brennan actually came last night. That's good. I went last night. Just, I mean, I need information. Yeah that he knows that I don't know. And it was uh, it was super informative and a really fun time. Yeah. Very casual. Super laid back, there's yeah. no pressure, free yep. beer. It wasn't a like a sales pitch. No. It was just, here's some information, enjoy a beer, and talk to other people that are interested yeah. in buying homes. So. Yeah, they're like an hour, and then when people ask a ton of questions, they go a little bit longer, <laughs> but last night I asked a lot of questions, and it went about an hour and a half, but it's oh. about an hour-ish. That's not a lot of time to just- no. Get your bearings on home exactly. buying. Exactly. So if you want to go to one of those, just go to the website beersandhomebind.com. That's beersandhomebind.com. And if you're ready to chat with us, if you've already come to one of those classes and you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're ready to chat, the next step is super easy. You can schedule a strategy session right on our website, awesomenawesome.com slash schedule. Those are totally free. It doesn't mean you have to buy a house or anything like that. It's just chatting with you so you can understand what your options are. That's it. We'll see you in two more weeks here on the Awesome in Seattle podcast. See ya.